this week on the Divided Opinion podcast. We've got a lot to talk about today, as usual. I mean, every week, West, it comes around to the podcast, I think. What are we going to talk about this week? But there's always something, ain't there? You can't really fault any part of that job he's done. I mean, from day one, he's gone there and he's done exactly what they've asked him to do and more. I mean, I've got to be honest, I'm surprised he took this job because there's risk attached. It doesn't seem rushed and it is a good opportunity, but there's a lot of risk attached here for everyone involved. they've gone through three or four games where they've not played well and they've not been getting good results but they've always kept the same sort of plan and vision of what they want to do and how they want to play and sometimes it doesn't work but every team has them sort of games Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 12 of the Divided Opinion Podcast. As always, Westy joins me in the Divided Opinion studio. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good. If this is the first time you're hearing mine and Westy's voice, and I'm Joel, by the way, I always forget to introduce myself, um, but if this is the first time you are hearing us, we basically do a week weekly podcast all football related sometimes it's a roundup sometimes we're reviewing the champions league sometimes it's the premier league sometimes you might do tier list uh we're delighted to have you here um if you want to stick around what should they do Wes? what should they do if they're enjoying the episode follow our instagram page at divided opinion um turn your notifications on for posts and stories and um and on about following the podcast whatever podcast app you use Turn on notifications on that if you enjoy it, so you never miss an episode. And yeah, just just stay tuned for for more content if you enjoy it. Nice one. Yeah, it's coming thick and fast, isn't it, mate? Yeah, we've got into a we've got into a good routine now. Weekly podcasts, um, and yeah, we hope you guys are enjoying them. We've got a lot to talk about today, as usual. I mean, every week, West, it comes around to the podcast. And I think, what are we going to talk about this week? But there's always something, ain't there? This yeah. game we love, it's just crazy. It is just crazy. Um, what topic do you want to get into first? Probably, we've had a few sackings since we last spoke. Yeah. Should we start with Aston Villa? There's obviously some, some breaking news coming today. But we'll start off. Dean Smith got sacked. Five games, losing streak. Did you think it was the right decision? Um, I thought it was possibly maybe a little bit too premature. Um when you take into account what he's what he's achieved at the club and in such a sp- short space of time as well um it was a i think it had probably been a bittersweet one for a lot of Aston Villa fans uh but maybe they knew i mean the res- like the stats don't lie the results don't lie it's a results business at the end of the day and it's not just them last five games that that sort of let Dean Smith down i think if you look it's they've lost more games in 2021 than any premier league team so it's been coming That's for a, a while. Stat. It's, a, it's been coming for a while, and I think you looked at the second half of last season. Obviously, taking them games into account, where um, Jack Grealish was out for three or four months, and then it showed how much they struggled without him. And 
maybe this season obviously Grealish has gone up to City and um, it's probably just that Dean Smith can't is struggling to find a way to to get this team playing without Jack Grealish and I think it's obviously I think that's maybe been the Straw that broke the camel's back, really. Yeah, so well, if, if we look at last season, finished 11th, very respectable season. Um, they obviously, there's obviously always been stats flying about the, 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 the how their their performances without with or without Grealish, and it does seem to be very evident this season that there has been a, a drop in form since Grealish left, and that is to be expected. So, obviously, yeah, so he got them promoted, finished 11th last season. Do you not think he had some money in the bank, so to speak? Um, yeah. Definitely, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of credit in the bank, and I'm sure a lot of Villa fans, probably st- a few of them, still will be sort of ruined the decision by the club. But um, I mean, it's, you've got to take sentiment away from football nowadays, haven't you? I mean, I mean, as great as it is, and he's a Villa fan, and uh, I think he's been a ball boy there and stuff, and it was his. <laughs> it's like a it's like a dream for him, and all probably all Villa fans as well, but. I mean, when the results start to go down and I think you look at the, the performances they'll put in, more importantly, I think I heard a lot of Villa fans speaking. It's been flat for a while and with the investments they've made in the summer, um, that team should have gone the opposite way and sort of gone on an upward spiral rather than a downward. And Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're currently sat in 16th. Uh, 11 played, three wins, one draw and seven losses. I mean, it is the five losses on the spin that that I think is is really the final nail in the coffin. The loss against Spurs, which started the losing streak. Obviously, they beat Man United earlier in the season. Um, and then they lost to Wolves, which was a... That was a damning result, that, because Villa was up, were obviously 2-1 up. Uh, then they lost against Arsenal. West Ham, two very informed teams. And they did lose against Southampton. I mean, if you look at those results, I mean, obviously Tottenham have been poor this season, so you'd expect Villa to win. Well, not expect them to win, but you'd you'd like them to get something out of it. But that, if you look at the Wolves game, that's such fine margins. And Vi- Arsenal and West Ham, I mean, you, you only have to ask Leicester fans or fans of or so many teams. West Ham and Arsenal are going to beat a lot of teams this season. It seems harsh to me. Uh, I just think when they made those signings, obviously we've spoke about it before on the podcast, but when they made when they had to reply, when they were seeking the replacement for for Grealish, obviously they they could have put all the money they 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 received they could have put it all into one player to replace him. They decided to side with getting a, a collection of players to replace all the attributes that that Grealish offered. Obviously, looking at Ings to replace the goals that Grealish left. Looking at um, Leon Bailey to replace the dribbling that kind of ability that that Grealish obviously. Um, took with him to City and then also obviously Buendia coming in for the assists that, that Grealish was so helpful in providing. It seemed like a long-term thing and I know there is always the the case of with, with Dean Smith is would he have even been in this situation if it weren't for Grealish? He obviously kept them up that season. It's a tough one. It is a real tough one um, and obviously you can't discount the fact that Villa are a massive club They've they've got money behind them. They've got a massive fan base. They obviously had the money coming in from Grealish. I think the issue with Dean Smith, and you see it with a lot of these managers, is the ambition changed as he was part of that club. They obviously came up, and then the 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 target was to stay in the league, and that was something that that Dean Smith was 
perfectly capable of doing and obviously pushed them up to 11th. I think the the targets just changed, didn't they? And yeah. Dean Smith maybe just wasn't able to, to progress with that. Maybe, I mean, you can't discount, can you, the, the impact Grealish has on a team. He was obviously the captain. And for a player like that to leave, it's going to take a, a while for that dressing room to, to, to bounce back. Yeah. You just wonder, though, that I don't think they're going to go down. I don't think they were going to go down with Dean Smith. It's just when you look at the teams below them, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley's, but obviously these Norwich and Newcastle, they're making moves. And obviously, yeah, so so your overall feeling is that, sorry, was were you saying that he should, should have stayed or? No, it was harsh, but I think if you're looking at the results, it's a results business. And I think more importantly, it's not just down to results, it's down to performances. And I've watched Villa a couple of, in a couple of them games where they've lost and hearing other Villa fans talk on the radio and stuff. And it all seems to be going in the same direction, what they're saying. I mean, yeah. just flat, lifeless performances. And when it gets like that, I mean, there's no no shame in losing a game of football or, or a couple of games of football, but... I think when performances start to drop and energy levels and and sort of effort levels, I think that shows when maybe it's the yeah. end for the manager, which is unfortunate really because he's given them a lot. And I think the players have to take a little bit of responsibility as well, to be honest, because he's invested a lot of money in these new signings. Well, he's not, but the club have. But And he's put a lot of trust into them and none, none of them really have turned up yet for him. And No. I've seen a lot of positive come out and about Dean Smith and players giving their, you see all the social media posts and stuff, but you take of that what you will. But I've seen a few nice messages out, players like John McGinn, players like that, who, who Dean Smith did get the best out of, I think it's fair to say. But I just think that the, the squad was so strong, or is so strong. You've got internationals in there, and you've obviously got the money they've invested as well. I think, yeah, like I said, I think the target's just changed. But obviously, the end for Dean Smith, Spells the start of a new era at Aston Villa, and it's fair to say they've it's a it's an appointment with a a lot of a lot of amb- a lot of ambition. Um, Steven Gerrard has been announced today. He signed a three-year deal with Aston Villa to take over as head coach. What are your first reactions from that? From a an Aston Villa perspective, is this a good appointment? Is this who they need to take them to that next level? Yeah, I'm. Um, if I was a Villa fan, I'd be really excited. I mean, the job that Gerard's done uh, up in Scotland with Rangers. I mean, it, it's you can't really fault any of part of that job he's done. I mean, from day one he's gone there and he's done exactly what they've asked him to do and more. And I just he just strikes me. I mean, you get a lot of these ex-players that we see sort of come into management, and I'd probably say sixty, seventy percent of them don't work. And especially when it's a club legend or something, and it's sort of like a—I know obviously Gerard's not connected to Aston Villa, but these yeah. are sort of players that we've all sort of grown up on, and we remember them as great players. And you see them come into management; they don't really work. But but I think because we always have such high expectations as well, when a player's been such a leader on the pitch, yeah. we expect them to go into management and be a success. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but not just the way. Gerard sets his teams out. I've watched Rangers quite a few times under him in the Europa League and a few SPL games, and he has them playing good football. They're all brimming with confidence. Uh, he's got sort of the morale, the team spirit. He always, he always seems like everyone's on the side, everyone's on the same page, going in the same direction. 
and he just seems to have an aura about him, the same way he did as a player. Really, just sort of he just sort of asserts confidence around the whole dressing room. I could yeah. assume, sort of one of them people, isn't he? When he walks into the dressing room, no matter what club he goes to on, on to manage, you, everyone stands and listens. Mm. And I just think that's a really important sort of key factor in his personality that's going to take him right to the top. To be honest, and I think Aston Villa is the perfect sort of I won't go, like to call it a stepping stone because it would be disrespectful to Aston Villa but his obviously eyes are set on the Liverpool job eventually aren't they yeah and I think that's what is what is so interesting and obviously we'll we'll get on to Steven Gerrard's perspective on what it means for his career in a minute but in terms of Rangers uh, I haven't I've got to be honest I don't watch a lot of SPL I've obviously seen the results from afar um, getting winning them the, the league and he seems like he's done a great job there. And it's a huge club as well. Like He's shown that he can work within a massive club with massive expectations. And he's done it well, obviously. That's why he's got this job. Should Rangers fans, do they have a right to feel disappointed? I mean, they certainly do. Um, for them, where do they go from that, from here now? And it is, it's, it's hard, isn't it, for Rangers and Celtic fans as well. And I know they've got... There's a lot of differences, but there's one thing that they can relate on is managers. I mean, they don't have the these clubs. They don't have the pull they they once did, do they? Celtic and Rangers. Obviously, we saw it with Rogers going to Leicester midway through the season. It must be so disappointing as a fan of one of these clubs. I don't think there's anything worse really than a manager leaving halfway through, especially when it's one you like. Yeah, and it's been doing so well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, as well, you know. You've got to think about COVID as well and games being played for coming on two years behind closed doors and sort of you only have that sort of connection with the club through a TV screen, don't you really? And obviously yeah. this this season fans have been back in and obviously Gerard's got a great connection with the Rangers support and it's sort of with everyone involved with the club. So I think they would have been really looking forward to maybe going another season. I mean, they're favourites to win the title, no doubt about it again. And Gerard to win the title in front of his own fans would have been something that would have been really special, I think, for the fans and himself. But sometimes when, when an opportunity like Aston Villa, Premier League club, massive club, big expectations, a great squad, when that comes knocking in, Gerard just sort of, I think he's weighed up his end goal and thinks this is probably the ne- the best next step to achieve that. Do you think? Do you think though? I know everyone says it, and it is a bit of a cliche of like oh, these jobs don't come around very often. But do you think that's a little bit of a myth now? Because yeah. the nature of management nowadays, managers come and go. Clubs don't like to stick around with managers. They like to get the a new one in as fast as they got the first, the, the last one in. I, I don't know. Obviously, yeah, we'll talk about Steven Gerrard's perspective now. And obviously, the ambition is to go to Liverpool. I mean, I've got to be honest, I'm surprised he took this job. Because there's risk attached. And I'm not saying Villa's a, a, a great club. And there's a there's a real room to achieve something very special. And it is a great squad. Or so we believe, anyway. And But do you not think that there's a lot of risk here? And I see, just think with Gerard, he had a good thing going with Rangers. And I, the way I always see it with these managers, and Gerard especially, these are he's young. Like I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's obviously early forties, late thirties. Yeah. And he, these managers, they rush it. I think a lot of the time. What's to say that he couldn't have had another 
five years at Rangers, maybe not five years, but I don't know, it seems, it doesn't seem rushed, and it is a good opportunity, but there's a lot of risk attached here for all, everyone involved, because Villa, Gerrard isn't proven in the Premier League, he's done well at Rangers, but it's a completely new entity now, the Premier League is the biggest league on the planet, it's the most competitive league on the planet, it's the most watched league on the planet, and it's the highest pressure, because of all those things, it's the most pressure for managers, and it's a completely alien experience for Gerrard now, and he'll obviously be working with higher standard of players, which I don't think will be any kind of a problem, and when you get someone on the scale of Gerard, he obviously has that ability to walk into any dressing room at any level and the players will, will look up to him. And they'll be in awe of him at Villa, won't they? And But yeah, do you not think there is risk attached here for both Gerard and Villa? Yeah, definitely. I mean, but I think there's risk attached in any job in football nowadays. It's such a cutthroat business. And I think for Steven Gerrard, if he was going to stay at Rangers in hope of getting the Liverpool job, I think maybe that could have even been a bigger risk. I mean, who's to say that Jurgen Klopp's going to leave Liverpool anytime soon? So it would it would pose the question, how long would Steven Gerrard have to wait around at Rangers? But that's my point. Do you not think, why does Gerrard have to go to Liverpool in five years? Why can't he just wait? I know, yeah. Go in like 10, 15 years. Yeah, but I think obviously to achieve that goal, I mean, there's no saying that Liverpool are going to appoint someone who stayed at Rangers for five, ten years. You know what I mean? I mean, but do you not think they're going to appoint Stephen? Like everything, obviously, if he has an absolute, if it's a calamity, his management career just dips and he never achieves anything at these other clubs. They're going to do anything they can to spin it to get Stephen Gerrard in that in that job job role. It makes sense for everyone, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. But that's from a club's perspective, and but from Gerrard's perspective. He clearly backs himself and what he's doing and the philosophy yeah. and it seems like he's got a great backroom staff with him and in his eyes, he'll know that he want to go for that Liverpool job in a few years, whether that's 5, 10, 15. But he obviously, he's seen this as an opportunity to get real good experience in the Premier League and yeah. and that was going to help him massively, not just the club like Liverpool for their sake when they hire him. It's going to help him, if anything, to have that experience with the Premier League by the time he does move on to bigger things, but obviously we say bigger things, but we, he needs to get past this hurdle first. I mean, we're sort of singing all his praises, but let's see what yeah. happens. You know, what I mean, it, like you say, it could go wrong, but I'm confident it'll go well for him. Yeah, and I, I echo what you were saying there, and it is the the fact that it is risky means I have even more respect for him because. You see so many times where managers, it's, they just try and cover their backs and take jobs that are, have less risk attached. Were you surprised that he wasn't more keen about the, the Newcastle job? Or do you think just because of how precarious, precarious it is with them going down? Because I, I did think, Gerard, the money that's, that's, that Newcastle have to offer, I thought it would have been an attractive role for him, but I think it is just the precarious nature of it at the minute. Yeah. There's far more risk attached to that Newcastle job than Villa. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. But no, it is. I think it's it's very. I, I respect what he's done and going to Villa. It's a project, and it's not guaranteed to go well. And this is a club that's in a transitional period at the minute. They've got to learn what their identity is again. And we just when a player like Grealish goes, he embodied that club, didn't he? Yeah. And 
he was bigger than the manager. He was bigger than the club at that at the point when he was leaving. He was bigger than the club. He was the captain. There was all Villa's fans. Their future and all their optimism was were attached to that one player, and they 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 built a squad around him. Definitely. And yeah, I'm 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 really interested to see how Gerard does. It's just another another A list manager or just name to have in the Premier League, isn't it? It's another character to add to the narrative of of this league that's just growing into into being just a super league if i can say it another sacking we saw and another team showing more ambition than your side manchester united norwich city sacking daniel farke after their first win of the season might i add yeah was this? Were you shocked? Like, I was shocked after their first win against Brentford away from home. I mean, apparently Brentford were all over Norwich. I didn't watch the game. Were you shocked? Was um, this? Is this just a long time coming? Yeah. I mean, well, I, think, I mean, the fact that they won their first game, it was it seemed like strange timing. But obviously, going into the international break, you probably assumed that Norwich have already made their minds up way before that game, so that result wasn't going to affect it. But, I mean, in terms of his Daniel Farker's Premier League record, wasn't really shocked at all because it's pretty dismal, and to put it lightly. Um, but, to be fair, I, I think it was a difficult job for anyone. I mean, with that group of players, I mean, I'm not really sure what more Daniel Farker could have done. I mean, from I think from day dot, they were destined to go down, and they still will, no matter who takes over. But... Um, it was a shock in the sense that a couple of weeks prior to it that the Norwich board had come out and publicly backed Daniel Farker by saying he embodies everything about the club, he's part of our long-term plan. And then, But obviously football is a ruthless business, isn't it? Yeah, it is a tough one because Norwich, it's highly likely that they are going to go down. We'll get on to the, the potential replacements for Farker soon. But it's looking very likely they're going to go down. And... Is there a manager better qualified to get them back up than Daniel Farke? Done it twice already. And it's, with Norwich, it's just a really tough one because I suppose now they've... they've Before it seemed like they'd accepted it, accepted this this team. They were just going down, taking the parachute payments and then coming straight back up. A yo-yo team. They seem to have accepted that. But now with this sacking, it's showing that they've not. Yeah. And, I mean, it's interesting, but I, I just think we see the same mistakes with them. And they needed to cr- just make themselves more resilient. They've obviously got players that are like, some talented players, but players that aren't going to keep you in the Premier League and players that aren't going to be there for a relegation scrap. Yeah. I think with Norwich, it, it really does seem like they're going to go down. In terms of... And in terms of my opinion on the Daniel Farke sacking, it's hard to say because obviously I haven't watched a massive deal of of Norwich, but I have heard that they just make similar mistakes. And you'd think Farke would have learned from his mistakes, maybe brought in a few more robust Premier League standard, maybe not Premier League standard, but just Premier League proven players that are good in these kind of situations. When you look at players like Todd Cantwell, players like that, are they the kind of players you want when you're in a relegation scrap? You've got to grind results out. They yeah. never really seem willing to grind results out, did they? Yeah, sort of going for... I mean, Billy Gilmore's a great player, but Billy yeah. Gilmore, Brandon Williams, I mean, 
are they the sort of plays that you need in in the sort of in them in the type of season going you're going to yeah you, I mean that you're always going to be in a relegation scrap are they, they should, maybe should have gone with players that have been there and done it in the Premier League and yeah. I mean Billy Gilmore looks like a really outstanding player talented young player but he just yeah he's can't not get in the side out. no and even, that's a strange Brandon one. Williams can't even get in the side really looking now at the the odds for someone to te- for the next manager of Norwich Frank Lampard is is leading the way would you think that'd be a good appointment? Do you think that'd be a good move for for Frank Lampard? Um, sort of in the middle of this one. I mean, it's it, there's so much risk attached to it for Lampard. I mean, he's obviously he's been out of the game for about a year now, and it's it's a job where he's going to take over a team that's ninety nine percent sort of guaranteed relegation. But then again, he's taken over a team that's got, like you say. It's got a, a good group of young players in there, you know, Max Aaron's, Brandon Williams, Billy Gilmore, Campwell. Um, it's quite a few, and he he obviously showed that he works well with young players, like he did with Chelsea, bringing them through. So maybe he's taking the job on the on this sort of proviso that, yep, there's a very minimal chance I can keep this squad up. There's so there's no pressure. If I do keep them up, then it's a miracle, and I'm sort of the best things to happen to this football club since whatever and Daniel then, Farke yeah exactly but then if I he can start planning now by making a couple of January signings he can start planning now for next season and sort of hitting going straight into the championship with pre-planned signings a team no I wants to play and then get them straight back up and I mean it, it's as much as a risky one it is and it seems like you'd probably say what's the point in it for Lampard they're actually when you actually look deeper into it, it's a good chance to sort of rebuild that club into a sort of a new sort of like a new brand almost, give themselves a new name. Yeah, uh, yeah, they, it's definitely time to move on from the Daniel Farke era and just see what they can can become under an, another manager. And it's not to say that Farke there wasn't positive from his reign, but it's it's definitely time to move on. In terms of Lampard, though, when I look at his resume. I don't know if there's anything to tell us that he, firstly, keep them up. I mean, it's unlikely anyway, if, even if you had Pep Guardiola in charge, that they'd stay up. But there's nothing to, sh- he's got nothing on his resume that shows he'd be a good manager having in a, manager to have in a relegation battle. You look at the job he did at Derby, and I don't think it really aged that well, did it? Because if you look at the squad that he had on offer, he plays like Tamori, Mason Mount, these are, these are top quality players. Ashley I mean, look at Cole. Mason Mount now. Ashley Cole. Tom Lawrence. Like, I mean, yeah. They okay. had a, aside from those kind of big names, they had a really solid championship club as well, like players as well, which were definitely capable of taking a team up. Obviously, they got to playoffs, but then fell at the final hurdle. To Dean Smith's Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah, well, we get on to Dean Smith as well, but I just don't. I just don't think this would be a good appointment. I think Frank Lampard. When you look at the Chelsea era as well, the reign he had at Chelsea, there definitely were positives to take in terms of the the he he was he took them over in a time where they had that transfer ban and it was a it was a turbulent time for Chelsea. He kind of steadied the ship a bit and brought these young players on. And I think a, a manager like Tuchel to coming in, he has a lot to thank Frank Lampard for because he kind of set him up with a perfect base to build from. Yeah, he obviously 
built something good at Chelsea. You just couldn't quite get it over the line and get the tactical setup right to get the best out of the players. But if you see some of the players that he brought in, the Chilwells, Mounts, players like that, that he really got going. And they're doing so well under Tuchel. That was kind of thanks to Frank Lampard, really. Yeah. Um, so it's a real tough one. And he is in... And again, we go back to what we were saying earlier. You've got these, these big-name players that were leaders on the pitch and you kind of expect them to go into management and have an instantaneous uh, success. But it's just not always the case. And I just I just think for Frank Lampard, I think a lot a bit more of a settled ship would be the better a better job for him to go to. I mean, obviously that's incredibly hard to come by in football. But I think it's just not quite right the Norwich job for him. I think there'll be better opportunities in the future. His name seems to be linked to everyone at the minute, doesn't it? Yeah. I've, on Norwich though, do you think do you think sort of outside noise had a influence on Norwich's decision to sack Farker and then look for someone like Frank Lampard I mean he's they were often criticised the first few weeks of the season weren't they of I think I think even Jamie O'Hara or some people on TalkSport branded him a disgrace to the league because of the way they operated with being happy to go down and then take the parachute payment and come back up and know they're going to get relegated do you reckon that sort of name they were starting to get from the media and fans from other clubs has prompted them to think actually we've got to get our, our own house in order and yeah. actually have a new approach I think that's a very real possibility and you can't as much as these clubs will say oh, we, we, do a, we don't care what the fans say we don't care what anyone say we'd make decisions for the best of the club and what we believe is the best for the club you can't ignore it can you no. and they were becoming they did have a reputation their reputation preceded themselves and it was a weird one and it's, it's almost just it's just unethical, really, isn't it? Like it's it's unfair yeah. to keep just going up and going back down. There almost should be some kind of legislation, some kind of law in play that doesn't allow clubs to do that <laughs> or limits the amount of parachute payments they add. Yeah. But I think it's a tough one, really. It's a tough one because I think with someone like Daniel Farkhead, he seemed like a, a a good guy and a good guy to work with. And Norwich, it all, often seems like a it's a very happy club, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a there was never going. They were never going to part ways in bad blood, and it, it did. Almost, it did almost feel like they they let him get that win under his belt. So he, and then got rid of him. He left on a good on a good um, good standing with the fans. And but I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think I think they like making that decision. It does does just state to the fans, and it, it states a claim, doesn't it, that we're not just going to accept what we're what happened the last couple of seasons and whether that was from outside voices or just their own opinion is yet to be seen yeah obviously another manager that has instantaneously been linked to this Norwich job and it probably would make sense if it hadn't been so soon that he'd been sacked by Villa Dean Smith has been linked to the Norwich job he's currently third favourite do you think that would be too soon for Dean Smith um yeah but yeah possibly I mean I mean, we've just been speaking about the risks attached to it. I think even more yeah. so for Dean Smith, it's not really a job he needs. He can go and get a job somewhere else. Not sure whether that be at the Premier League, um, but he could probably get a far less risk-attached high-level championship job in the near future. And I mean, what he's been through the last three years at Villa, sort of, he'll still be very emotionally tied in and sort of yeah. mentally knackered from the past few weeks. It'll have been so straining for him, I think. He probably could do with giving himself a holiday and a few months off and then maybe 
come back fresh in the summer and look for some new work. So I don't think Norwich. I think Norwich is sort of probably the worst possible job for him, being in a relegation yeah. scrap. <laughs> yeah. What's some of the other names that we've got on here? Lewis Boamorte. Is that the that, is that the old West Ham? Yeah, player? played for Fulham as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, didn't know he was in management. Roy Hodgson, just let him retire. Get Sam Allardyce um, in. Is Neil Steve Warnock Bruce. on there? He's not on there, sadly. Um, Steve Bruce is at the bottom. Did you see him? He was at the the 2020 mm. semi final yesterday. They just yeah. honestly they get the in Dubai they had they must have had some restrictions because the the stadium was barely full, like not full at all. There's loads of social distancing. And he just kept panning the camera to Steve Bruce. And you could see him there, like, just turning to his mate, like, these these idiots just putting me... He just wants to have a quiet life for a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Stay out the a limelight for a bit. And, yeah, he can't he can't avoid it. It's good to um, see he's enjoying himself. Just in, in your opinion, who, who do you think would be a good replacement for, for Norwich? doesn't have to be one of the, the managers we have referenced oh, already. I... It's a tough one, isn't it? I have it, really? generally no I idea. I mean, some of the names on here. Who would want it? Um, Jettel Nutson, not heard of him. Um, Mikhail Stare, not heard of him. Sandro Schwartz. Uh, Mark Robbins, is that the former Cov manager? Still or is still the Cov manager, manager, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, seen, he's done a good job, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, will, will he want to stay, I reckon, at, at Cov? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Somehow Mark Robbins has ended up on the, the divided opinion topics. Uh, I'm, I'm, no one can a, say we don't talk about football league anymore. <laughs> it's a tough one to answer, to be honest. But I think if if I'm going to have to pick one, I mean, just just give it to Frank Lampard and see what he can do and how he can possibly revive his managerial career. What about he's got the great und- a great escape under his belt already? What about Nigel Pearson? I know he's obviously at Bristol City. Uh, I think he's probably there for the long run, to be honest. Um, I think that would be a great appointment, though. I think Pearson would be the the ideal manager to go into a team like Norwich. Get them players playing, bring in a couple of granite hard Brexit footballers, <laughs> and just keep him in the league. Yeah, bring in Matty James, Andy King, Basileski, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Christian Fuchs. <laughs> Get their band back together, and then they can win the league next season. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, looking at some of the names on here. I think Dean Smith would be an ideal replacement, but I think he needs some time off. I think from an outsider's perspective, it would be interesting to see what Frank Lampard could do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to see some Frank Lampard there. Uh, should we move on to another topic? Yeah. Obviously, another. it's, it's going to turn out to be... I mean, we really are in... I think I've seen what you, you said on one of the posts. It's sacking season, and it really is. Um, we'll go... We'll, we'll talk about United for a bit. And another manager. This whole management saga, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's worse than the transfer window. But obviously, Oli still currently in the job. We haven't actually spoke since the Man City game, have we? Um, I think we've probably... It's probably the world's moved on, really, haven't they, after that that Man City game. So we won't talk about it. But Oli, I, I assume you are Oli out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Not, in a, um, not in a sort of nasty sense or no, no. one I'll, I'll always support him as long as he's as long as he's in the dugout but I yeah. think we need a change on one of them I mean we definitely need a change but I'd never publicly go for him Brendan Rodgers has been the name that's been linked to United this week from your perspective is that someone that you'd be interested in he, he wouldn't be my first choice 
but he but I, I certainly I think I'd certainly take him I mean it's difficult with his links to Liverpool and been the Liverpool manager but I think I probably said to you more it's probably more of a kicking the teeth for Liverpool fans if anything if it was to happen but that was years ago now and I mean football moves on at the end of the day it's a job and it's a career isn't it and you can't just hold sentiment for old clubs um, forever I think he's a great manager I think the way he's sort of what he's done at Leicester what he's done at every club he's been at but he sort of seems to go in at at clubs that are sort of stuck in the I think Liverpool are the same Leicester were the same stuck in the sort of midst of identity where I think when when he took over at Leicester they were just sort of floating around weren't they in that mid-table and they didn't have a particular identity under Puel um, before he yeah, came in yeah been lost under Puel and yeah. I think it, Leicester fans were just sick of it I don't know about I think would you say that going to watch yeah, them yeah we, we it was just Puel played quite pragmatic and pretty just boring football, to be honest. And we had... Puel did a good job, just like he did at Southampton before as well. He did yeah. a good job, steadied the ship. And you have to remember, we were coming off the back of winning the Premier League and the club was just... We we won the Premier League and then the next season we were bottom of the table. Like, it, it just... And then obviously we brought in Craig Shakespeare. I mean, he came in as interim boss and stayed for a while and he did okay at the start. Um, but then it, it just kind of fizzled out and then Puel came in. We we didn't really know what our identity was. And at that point, as mad to say it as it is, after we won the league, all I wanted was for us to just be in, in the league. I just wanted us to be a stable Premier League club. And I didn't care if it, that meant just mi- mid-table mediocrity. I didn't care. That's all I wanted. Yeah. And then Puel came in and he, he satisfied that need. But then we obviously got to a stage where our our, our squad is uh, was a good squad, very good squad. He made some good signings, Puel, and then obviously Rogers has come in and and done outstanding. Well, sorry, I, I waffled a bit there. No, it's fine. Um, um, just well, yeah, like the job he's done with you, and I, I really like really like the style of football that he's got you playing. Um, he's it, done that at so many clubs as well obviously yeah. Swansea as well that gets forgotten yeah. when he, when Swansea came into the Premier League under him he was brilliant yeah. he played unbelievable football yeah. like unbelievable like possession based football lo- just lovely to watch and for a team that just come into the Premier League that's it's unseen really you don't see a, a manager doing that and it takes a lot of confidence as well yeah and that is one thing that I can tell you now Brendan Rodgers has got in abundance. It's confidence. It's almost bordering on ar- arrogance, to be honest. Um, and I do think you, you need a, a fair share of arrogance to be a manager at a club like United. Yeah. And also the identity. I mean, there's a clear clear sort of structure and to the way Leicester play. Whether they're playing bad or they're going through a rough patch. I mean, we've seen it this season. They've gone through three or four games where they've not played well and they've not been getting good results, but they've always kept the same sort of plan and vision of what they want to do and how they want to play. And sometimes it doesn't work, but every team has them sort of games. And I just think that's mainly what United need. They need a coach who is actually going to take charge of how he wants that team to play and not leave it to sort of coaching staff. And yeah, you just... you build a structure at United where we just need a style that we just need I just want to be able to watch Man United and we were speaking there about obviously Leicester losing their identity and Rodgers came in and refound that I mean United have lost their identity haven't they we've not had one for years let's be honest yeah Um, Yeah. 
But I just, yeah, like you say, I, I want to go and watch United and think, wow, we've, we played like this last week and it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And you go to games now and you think the only identity that we're going to play is a is a messy, chaotic back four. Midfielders getting pulled apart and just chaos all game. I mean, that is, I yeah. think that's what, if one word could describe Manchester United since Ferguson left, is chaotic wins and chaotic losses. There's no, there's been no sort of level ground with United where it's been smooth running at all. And I think that's one thing Rodgers would come in and install is just a level of calmness. I mean, he's got it about him in his aura, hasn't he? I mean, he's, he just, yeah. no matter how bad it gets for him or how flustered he gets or how bad his team's played, he's always the calmest man in the room and he always is. deflects he everything off the players, off himself and off the club somehow. I don't know how he does it, but he yeah. always seems to make make you could you could lose six or seven nil at home and Rogers would somehow make it seem like everything's okay but you watch him and sometimes it sometimes he gets frustrated as a fan because you're there you obviously it's raw emotion you're getting really frustrated and you you look over and Rogers is just stood on the sideline just clapping away yeah just never changes he, he barely really sh- he obviously gives out a few tactics and stuff as the game goes on but he never shouts at his players or never shouts in a in an aggressive way and he, I think, I can't remember when he said it, but I think he said that basically when he was younger, he used to go watch and see parents and people on the sidelines just screaming at kids and screaming at players. And he never liked that. And as a player, he never liked it as well. So that's something he never does. Yeah. Um. I think with Rogers as well, he's just, with Ollie, he just doesn't seem sure of himself sometimes. And sometimes those insecurities, they seem to get to him and affect his decision-making. With yeah. Rogers, you know the arrogance that he's got, the confidence that he's got. He's going to make a decision, what he thinks is right, and whether that goes wrong or not, he'll own it. And I think that's what you need. With Solskjaer now, you see, and he's made consistent mistakes, but he doesn't even own it. When it going gets tough, like now, where and he's he's played with a, he's been stubborn with his system for so long, but then all of a sudden the going gets tough and he he switches to a three-five-two or whatever completely polar opposite to what he's been what his whole methodology has been for so yeah. long but I think from Leicester's point of view obviously we've had the United point of view now as a Leicester fan I'd be pretty devastated if he left midway through the season I've got to be honest I think it I think it would just be it would really leave a sour taste in my mouth and it would just be disappointing because this Brendan Rodgers era, I think it's obviously not going to last forever. And I think it is important with management and for the management manager themselves and the club alike. Sometimes it is important to know when to say, right, we've we've done all we can here and it's time to move on. It's time for the next era of Leicester and of Brendan Rodgers' management career. And I would say that I am nearing that. I'm not for one minute saying I'm, I'm Rodgers out. And if you're a Leicester fan that is saying that, you seriously need to get your priorities in check and just realise the job that he has done for Leicester and the manager he is because he is an outstanding manager. He's an outstanding coach. But when you've had two seasons like we've had where you finish fifth and you come so close to getting the Champions League, obviously we won the FA Cup, FA Cup, which is an incredible achievement and something that the club won't forget anytime soon. And that's something that will be... Brendan Rodgers will be in the Leicester history forever. And he's the best manager that I remember. Best Le- Leicester manager I remember. And 
I just do feel like it is getting to a point where it may be Rodgers is starting to feel like he's done as much as he can. There's, a, of, of, there's an obvious air of like disappointment around Leicester still, around the whole Champions League debacle and the fact that we have fell so sh- just fell just short, just short every like the last two seasons. And the the only thing I ask of Rodgers is that he just stays till the end of the season. That's all I ask. Do you think Rodgers would go? I think he would, and I think I think any manager would that's in his position. And the confidence that he's obviously got in his own ability, he obviously regards himself as in the the best managers in the world. He wants to be in that conversation of the Klopp's, Pep's, that kind of manager. And what an opportunity to do so. And United, although everyone calls it a poison chalice, it's the biggest opportunity I've possibly ever seen in football for a manager. If you look at the players are on offer, you look at how disappointing you've been. You look at a fan base that are yearning for an identity. They're yearning just for some optimism. They're not, you're not asking a manager to come in and win the Premier League next season, are you? No. You're asking for a manager to come in and see positives and we'll just be in that conversation. Yeah. I think a title challenge is all you can ask for at the minute, United fans. Like it, it's, I know the, the squad you've got is outrageous, but anyway, I'm getting on to something else. But with Rodgers, yeah, I do think, I do think he'd leave. I just hope he stays to the end of the season. And the thing is, as a football fan, I'm a realist. If he wants to leave, if he's got eyes elsewhere, I'd prefer him to just go, to be honest. And also, I'd be optimistic as well with the decision-making within the club. I'd be I'd be optimistic that we could bring in a worthy replacement. Who would you like to see, possibly? I mean, there's not, there's not really anyone that springs to mind at the moment but I mean there is one manager that springs to mind for me and that, that is Graham Potter yeah I think I think there's a lot of similarities between Leicester and Brighton the way we run just very just very stable clubs and make the right decisions and we bring in players and managers that are we, we look into I, I like, do you know what I mean I do think there's some similarities between. I think Brighton there's similarities between Graham Potter and Brendan Rodgers actually yeah exactly. massive similarities exactly yeah, just the way they are, the the kind of guys they are, and with with Potter, he's he's done an incredible job at Brighton, and he's the he's he's shown that he can develop players. He's shown that he'll be there for a long term goal, and it's just interesting to see what Potter could do. Obviously, the the only issue with Leicester is is that we tend to make the they tend to make decisions that are a little bit out of the ordinary, like in terms of like bringing players in and stuff like that. I've kind of gone past the the point of kind of guessing what they're going to do or thinking I know better than the board because I'm in full confidence that they know better than I do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm in full confidence that whatever manager or player they bring in, that they know better than I do and it will be an informed decision. Do you think as a Leicester fan I should be so, not happy that Rodgers is going to leave, but let him go amicably? Do you think it should? I should be just letting no, him no. through? Uh, no, I think you'd have every every right to be disappointed in him uh, personally. I am. Di- I would be disappointed. Don't get me. Yeah. Don't get. That. But I also agree with how you how you just know if it's like a footballer, if it's like a player in your team. If, if there's a player in there or a manager there that doesn't want to be there anymore and has and has got his eyes set elsewhere, then there is no point in having them because it's just going to distract the club and it's only going to have a negative effect. So what you'd be you take Rogers at United then would you? 
He'd be my second choice. Behind? Ten Hag. Really? Yeah. Where, where does, does Zidane not... Is he not even in that ranking? He's not in, my, he's not in the question because I, I know he just doesn't want it. I don't want to speak about a, a manager that isn't prepared to come over and test himself. I personally believe that in terms of managerial standing and pedigree, I think... I do think Sedan would be the perfect guy. I, I just, if you look at the managers such as Klopp, Tuchel, Pep, now Conte at Spurs, I think for United, the the only guy that could come in and put United straight on that and even keel with those teams is Zidane. And you just yeah. know he's got the arrogance and he's got the aura to just come in and just. Do you think though as well? Obviously, yeah. Actually, we'll talk about it now. Um, I'm interested to know what you think, and we've there's obviously two sides of the coin. Yeah, and, but first, we'll start with Gary Neville sticking by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and he's he's relentless with it as well on Twitter, whether it's on Twitter or whether he's reacting after a game. What do you think about this? Do you like that? Do you like the fact that he's just relentlessly sticking? And he also just he he, he saw I saw he's liked someone's tweet or whatever, and he's like. Oh no, he replied to a tweet, didn't he? He's like, will you ever say Oli out or something like that? And he just said, never. I yeah. find it... It's strange. I just find it weird. Yeah, like... Like, he's there to give his opinion, honest opinion, informed opinion. Doesn't have to always be impartial, but he's just almost lying to the United fans. He is lying because we all know, we all know behind closed doors, if you sat down with him and had a chat, he would 100% say that Manchester United need a change. He's the biggest. He's the biggest Man United supporter out there, really, isn't he? I mean, yeah, he knows full Most well. Vocal. He's he's yeah. I could say that. Um, <laughs> he's very intelligent. I mean, he's he knows so much about football. He knows. I mean, he'd be an idiot to think we all believe that he, he what he's saying's what his actual opinion. I mean, it's not. He know we know full well he wants Solskjaer to leave, but obviously you can always revert back to the. Fair play, loyalty, it's his mate and stuff. But there comes a point where if you're not going to say anything that's constructive, just don't comment on it. Just exactly. leave, leave it to someone like Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> but that is the issue is everyone, so many people listen to Neville and he's such a valued opinion in the sport, possibly the most. And it, 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 like you said, I just think, if, you just don't talk about it at all because it just distorts everything. Yeah, and it just swings a fan base, and United fan base is so divided, isn't it? You know, it one one, it, one effect it has. It can also have the effects on on the board and the members. I mean, Gary Neville's sort of like an ambassador for the club almost. With if the board is coming out and hearing him saying that Solskjaer deserves more time, it's only going to put more confidence in themselves to hang on to Solskjaer as long as they can, because that's what they're yeah. doing. They're 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 sucking Solskjaer dry. I mean. I feel sorry for Solskjaer in a way almost that they've not just put him out of his misery. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was going to say that in terms of as a friend, I'd be telling my friend, like, just get out of there, mate. Yeah. Like, it's not going to do... It's just more and more damaging to him. It looks like it's almost damaging his, his health more than anything. Have you seen how much he's aged he looks, in three years? Yeah. And I'm not <laughs> one to, like... It, for me, it's all footballing reasons, and I, I don't agree with all these fans that are abusing him. And like, it's all footballing reasons. But the guy, you just can't help but feel sorry for him. 
Like he's just evidently so stressed out. I mean, what do you think about? Obviously, he's gone on holiday, hasn't he? He's gone yeah. to Norway. What do you think about that? Do you not think he should be at Carrington and trying to put these wrongs right? Yeah, possibly. I mean, a bit. It's easy for us to say. I mean, like if the, if he's there and he's he's seen that, well, he knows he's stressed out and needs a little few days off. And if he thinks the players need that as well, maybe he's going with that sort of view of send them off for a few days. Obviously, I yeah. mean, most of them will be on international duty, so they'll still be working. The rest of them, he's, better, he's maybe just thought, you know what, let's have a few days off, get everyone out of the training ground, and then hit it next week, and then hopefully, as a sort of a last chance for him, he can come back after the international break, and that he might see an upswing in form as a, as a result of everyone feeling a bit fresher and a bit more... But I think yeah. the the, the <laughs> he's so loud. It's just so funny that he's just trying to United fans is trying to get hope for anything. It's just any a, hope you can get. Yeah, what for the way? Come on. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this is this is what really annoys me about United. I mean, they're so incompetent and indecisive. The way they're coming out and saying um, he's going to get into the Watford game. What does beating Watford achieve? So we either go and lose to Watford. And they'd probably still give him another game. But if we lose to Watford, yeah, fair enough, hold hands up, he'll probably get the sack. But if we go and beat Watford 5 or 6 nil with the players we've got in our team, we should be able to do that anyway. I mean, Liverpool beat Watford 5 nil. Other teams have battered Watford this season. Is us even winning 5 6 7 nil against Watford won't do change anything. And it won't it paper all, over all the cracks again and all it'll do is give the board an excuse to say, oh, hang on, we'll give him till the new year now to turn things around. But we've got Chelsea the following week after that. We'll go and beat Watford 3 or 4 nil, And then they'll say, yeah, give him till Christmas. But then we'll go and lose to Chelsea. Then it's just, we'll always be in this cycle of, we'll give him till here, we'll give him till there. Oh no, look, he's won a couple of games. We'll give him another few mm. weeks. But then it's just always one step forward, two steps back with United at the moment. And that's what we what, saw last um, week. What would you say if they they said they came out and said we're backing him to the end of the season? I'd be annoyed because I think they're it's still sort of just writing a season off. They're still it? yeah they are. I mean they're, they're more than happy to do that. I mean the Glazers uh, they're they're purely relying on the fact that the the individual sort of brilliance that we've got in our team will be able to just drag us to fourth anyway. I think that's the way they're looking at it, but. I mean, it's we're just early. We're we're so early into November. I mean, we're ten gate, eleven games in. I mean, by no means we're not going to win the Premier League, but there's still so much to play for this season. And if we make the change now and be decisive, we could have a really successful season and try and do something great. But if we delay it any longer, we're going to have to write this season off, and then we're already another season back. It feels like every season with United, I'm I'm there thinking. Right, right. We've made a few good signings, and this was the one the most where we made these these unbelievable signings. And I was like, yes, I was like, finally we're ready to challenge again, and we are going to be up the top of the Premier League. And it's going to feel so nice to have that Manchester United back. But it now we've we've come to November, and it feels like all right. I'm going to have to wait another year maybe for that to happen. It's just it's important to say as well that Cristiano Ronaldo, if you don't get Champions League football, he ain't going to stick around, is he next season? No. He's not going to play in the Europa League. I wouldn't, if I was a United fan, I wouldn't want to see him playing. No, no, I'd I'd be happy to see him go. 
tainting a player like that's legacy and tainting the end of his career just be heartbreaking really and heartbreaking to see um Jadon Sancho at right wing back no <laughs> not a chance what is that about it's a sackable offence in itself <laughs> 75 million for a right wing back I mean I, I did think that you should have gone and got Trippier after his, his performances at the Euros I think he's the best right wing back in the world yeah. Trippier or up there at least I think Atletico just sort of prices out of a move really yeah, I think you know. I think United are willing to offer about twelve million or something. <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic United. <laughs> it's just crazy, isn't it? It's just it's headline after headline. Oh, right, guys, we're going to react to our Premier League oh. predictions from last week. Westy's already laughing. I reckon oh, he had a bad mate, week. Mate, this is terrible. <laughs> this is shocking. How, how bad, mate? How bad? Um, I'm just trying to total up the scores now. Right, so Westy, do you want to take us just briefly through your scores from last week? Don't need to go for every single one, but what were your? Where did you get your points? Did you get um, any horrendously wrong? Um, horrendously wrong. Um, not particularly horrendous. I went for a three-one Chelsea win. Obviously, they drew. It's a bit of a yeah. A shock. I, I I went four-nil Chelsea. Um, I went for a Villa win at, at Southampton. That didn't happen. But the where I got my points, so I went 3 0 Arsenal, got a correct result there, or score, whatever it is. And then I went for a one one draw between Everton and Spurs and that was nil nil. Right. Well I had a slightly better week than you. Obviously Man City, I said three nil to Man City, so one more goal I would have got a correct score there. So that's one point. Um I got the Crystal Palace Wolves one I got wrong. Um I said Wolves would win that game. Obviously, Palace won. Brighton-Newcastle was where I got my correct score. 1-1. Two points. I'm happy with that. And then I got Arsenal-Watford. Said so 2-0 to Arsenal. They were obviously 1-0. One, one so, it was one one score off that as well. So, that was one point. Um, and then Everton-Tottenham, I also said a draw. I said 2-2. Two, two, so, that's one point there. So, that takes my total up to 26. What are you on now, Wes? 23. Wow. So again, I go I go back into the lead. Last week it was twenty two, twenty one to Westy. Oh, uh, so I'm on twenty five then. I thought I was yeah. twenty one. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, you're on twenty two, mate. So um, you're a one point ahead. One point ahead is close. It's close. Um, thanks for joining me today, Westy, mate. It's turned into a bit of a manager's special. Yeah. We've tr- we've tried to make it a little bit more concise for you guys the last few weeks, but let us know what kind of length you like the podcast. Let us know what kind of topics you like us to talk about. Uh, obviously, we just enjoy doing this, don't we, West? Yeah, I love it. We just enjoy doing it, and wherever it goes, we're, we'll, we'll carry on doing it for a while. Like, it, it's just it's a, it's a passion project, ain't it, mate? Yeah. Um, you got anything you want to say to the listeners? Um, nothing more than you've really added, but just hope you're enjoying them, and yeah, they're going to keep coming. So... Um, Good. Man of few words. Man, Man of few, few words. I mean, you've echoed everything I needed to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, thanks for your insight today, Westy, mate. Um, thank you guys for listening. Obviously, everything Westy said at the at the top of the episode, if you could follow the podcast, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you follow us at Divided Opinion on Instagram, you get a, some daily content, stories, clips from the podcast, that kind of thing. Um, just make sure, like, if there's anything you guys want to see on the, or not see, but if there's anything you want to hear on the podcast, 
just let us know. We are open to doing anything. Obviously, it's the international break. So next week, unless something huge happens, we'll probably be doing a, a tier list, something of that kind of that kind of an episode. Um, always enjoy doing them, Westy. So you're looking forward to that? Yeah, I'm looking forward to grilling someone in particular. Not sure who, but we've always we always wow. single out some, wow. we always single out one person, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Someone <laughs> always does come off badly, don't they? Um, yeah. Thanks for joining me today, Westy, mate. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No worries. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week and we'll speak to you soon.